Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am your host today, Stephen Castrigano. Uh, Michael is out sick this week, so the patients will be running the asylum. I am joined by Ed Wassel. Ed, how are you doing today? Uh, a little, little tired. This has been a, a rough week as far as Pirates fan go. Yep. That's not been the best week. Kind of as expected. Yeah. Uh, I would want the competition we're facing. A little bit better. I, yeah, I don't think we did. I'd have to go back to last week's episode, but I think this was pretty on par with what we expected. I mean, you had to guess at least one win. Yeah, we got one win in the Brewers series. Had a chance in Blue Jays series, but couldn't pull one out there. No, that's that's a tough team. It is. They were very good. Their bullpen was better than advertised. I was kind of surprised by that. Pittsburgh is worse than advertised, and that's pretty bad. Oh, that is fair. So, all right, let's take a look at the roster roundup for the week. So, Lyon Madris, after continuing to struggle at the majors, was optioned back to Indianapolis, and we called up Jack Sawinski. Pretty excited to see him back at the majors. Uh, the previously DFA Padlow cleared waivers. And he is back with Indy. Uh, the Pirates also optioned Eric Stout and Cam Bew back to Indy and recalled Yuhuri and Brubaker from the paternity list. Uh, definitely congrats to JT Brubaker on the birth of his son, Jet, on Monday. That's great for their growing family. And then finally, we expanded the roster to 28, which allowed us to bring up Cal Mitchell, who was doing extremely well in the minors, and finally got Oviedo up to the major league team, who is now a starter for the Pirates. Yeah. Uh, any... It was nice Sorry, to see Oviedo get, get the call. Uh, I think he needs – they need to work a little bit more as far as stretching him into being mm-hmm. in a starting role. Uh, he looked pretty good, but, man, was he throwing a lot of pitches every single inning. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think he, he averaged 20-plus. 20, 20, yeah. He, he was not going full length there. I think at the, the first inning, he got a little overexcited getting those strikeouts, and he just wanted to keep that going, and it takes a lot of pitches there. Yeah, and the the short amount that I was able to watch of that game, it just seemed like he, you know, he can get someone to the two strikes, and then they just kept fouling it off, fouling it off, mm-hmm. fouling it off, and then would either eventually walk him or, you know, they get some sort of hit off of him. So, yeah, yeah, like we said, Toronto, very good team we face this weekend. Now, kind of surprised with the. Uh, with Colin Mitchell back up, I really thought they were going to give Swaggerty a little bit of a longer look. I mean, I understand Mitchell's been playing better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you kind of want to see what you got out of a former first-round pick. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I did want to, I, I hope at some point we do see more out of Swaggerty. He didn't really get much of a fair shake, but I know he's also struggling down at the minor leagues. They probably felt that Mitchell was the safer choice. He was hitting, I think, over 300 before he came back up. So they were hoping that productivity could continue with the majors. Uh, I don't think it has yet, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that was also uh, Madrid had the same issues. He crushes at the minor leagues, but can't adjust. And uh, hopefully that just is a matter of getting more time and more experience with these major league pitchers. And we can see a little more productivity out of these guys. Yeah. And then the only other thing I would say is I'm upset Bay hasn't been called up yet. I think we're all pretty upset by that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Van Meter does not need to be on the team taking up a spot. I think everybody at this point knows my dislike for Newman. He does not need to be taking up a spot. Plus the versatility of Bay, I think, just outweighs either of those other two guys. Yeah, I think if Bay had won, I don't think he's had any starts at first base. If he had just won to prove, yeah, he can play first base, which I'm sure he could, he's mostly been short and second. Uh, but he should be up. He's been hitting over 333 since the beginning of August. He has been absolutely crushing it. I am. I, I don't know why he's not up. Yeah, that's the the big mystery. Yeah, and why Van Meter is still on the team. Although we did have some good hits in this past series, but I, I don't think it's enough to really keep him around. No, there's definitely – I don't know. It seems like any – I know Mike and I discussed it. Players that BC has traded for seem to get a much longer leash, and Van Meter was one of those guys. So, mm. But, I mean, his – before this series, his playing time has almost been non-existent. So, yeah. Time for a move here, guys. Yeah. I think everybody in the fan base agrees on that and hopefully we'll see it happen. But on that note, let's talk about the uh, kind of sad weekly recap. So we began the week with the three game series at the dreaded American family field. Uh, I, I think pirates had some chances in these games. They actually got, Five runs off Corbin Burns, which is more runs than they put up in most other games. And it's certainly against a very good pitcher. And they managed to hold that 5-3 lead going to the bottom of the eighth. But for some reason, Underwood was taken out with two outs and one on. And uh, Shelton felt more comfortable going to Will Crow, who very quickly gave up two runs. Uh, game run, game tying home run, and then ended up coming back the next inning to give up two more runs and causing the Bucks to lose that, that series opener. Uh, Cruz and Castro each homered for Pittsburgh, which is nice to see those guys still producing on the power numbers. 
And then in game two, with Keller returning to the mound, and uh, he, he was looking much better than I think we've seen him in a little while. So it was exciting to see. He managed to go six innings, allowing two runs with four hits and two walks. He had a career-high 10 strikeouts. Uh, in that game, Cruz, Reynolds, and Chavis each had two hits. Chavis getting his 14th home run of the year. And that was the one game we managed to win 4-2 to two over the Brewers. And then in the final game, Thompson had a solid four scoreless innings with only three hits, one walk, and striking out five as the Pirates managed to jump out to an early 1-0 lead. But Yehure still seems to have trouble with major league pitching. He's another one. He just he's been doing very well at the minors. Made sense to bring him up, but he ended up allowing five runs of three hits, three walks, and a strikeout, going just one and a third, leading to the Bucks losing that third game six to one. Then we were back in Pittsburgh for the series against Toronto. As we mentioned, we got to see Oviedo make his first start for the Bucks. Went three scoreless innings, which is definitely a win uh, through, I think, about 60 pitches, which is more than we'd like to see. But as he progresses, ideally, into more of a full-time starter, we might see those numbers change. Then Tyler Beatty was able to pitch in relief with Oviedo starting, although he still seemed to struggle transitioning back on that run as he gave up two runs in his first inning as work, but managed to pitch two more clean innings. Chase DeYoung came in because Sheldon loves Chase DeYoung and pitched a two scoreless frames. Then Johan Ramirez came up for the ninth, ended up giving up two runs, as the Bucks lost for nothing. Then in Saturday's game, we had the inaugural Hall of Fame game, which I think was very exciting for a lot of people to finally have for Pittsburgh. Bronzi was looking fantastic as always. Six innings of one-run ball, but the offense still was not showing up against what was a bullpen game for Toronto. Um, we had another RBI triple from Cruz. And then eventually Underwood came in after Contreras and gave up three runs in two thirds of an inning, leading to a four, one loss. And then today's game was a bit more exciting with some back and forth, but again, Little bit of overuse with some of the pitchers. Underwood came in for relief. He ended up throwing 37 pitches, which is just exhausting. And he ended up giving up the go-ahead run, earning a loss two games in a row. So one win this week. Um, good teams we were facing, but uh, I, I, you know, it's definitely Def hard. Definitely a rough week. Uh, go, going back up to uh, to Burns, I think that's the second start in a row against Pittsburgh where we were able to, to beat him up a little bit. 
and we still couldn't get the win. That's, you know, frustrating. Yeah. I mean, with how, I hate this term, with how anemic our offense frequently is, when you actually get the five runs, we really should be able to win those games. Uh, yeah. Those are games you have to win. Like I said, you, yeah. you're going Raining side on pitcher, mm-hmm. able to hang five on, and it just you're blowing that late lead again. Very frustrating. Yeah, it's very disappointing. And then we have other outings where, you know, Contreras and Chase DeYoung are just lining it up, and those are the times we get zero runs. We're not we're not yeah, lining up very well for these ones. Mm-hmm. At least we saw some some battling against the Toronto team, and yeah. we'll see see how that continues into the upcoming series, which don't get any easier. Um, <laughs> we can we can talk about that later. Uh, so let's take a look down on the farm. So down in Indy, they took the series against Louisville, winning four of the first five games. Uh, the final game is still underway. Last time I checked, uh, Boyd Park has had a surprisingly good week with a 304, 360, and 522 lead uh, line. Excuse me. He's had two doubles and a home run. While recently promoted Lake Sable, who came up to Indy earlier this week, has had a pretty fantastic first four starts with the team. It is first trouble, triple and a home run and has over a 1.009 OPS going into tonight's game. Uh, Bido had another great start as he hurled six scoreless, allowing just one hit and one walk with seven strikeouts. Down in Altoona, the curve played the Rubber Ducks and managed to take four six from Akron. Indy Rodriguez continues to rake with three home runs this week as Nick Gonzalez led the team with a 478. 536, 826 line. He has been rebounding nicely since coming off the injured list. Uh, pitching was also strong for Altoona this week as Priester hurled six innings of one run ball, allowing just three hits and one walk with four strikeouts. Uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, but Carmen Mendotsky. Pitched 10 innings across Maj- two starts this week. Majinski? Oh, I, I apologize. Majinski, yes. No, it's a very hey. difficult name if you're just looking at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've heard it before, but it wasn't processing as I'm reading it. So Majinski, <laughs> uh, thank you for correcting me, pitched 10 innings across his two starts this week, allowing just three runs on seven hits with one walk and 10 Ks. Altoona is now 63 and 62 on the season, one game above 500. <clears throat> Down in Greensboro, the Grasshoppers won 
three games this week, with the last games also still underway. Offense has been led by Jackson Glenn, who's hitting a uh, over 460 with a 533 and 613 triple slash. While Jarvis and Bowen brought the lumber with one home run apiece. Justin Mike, Mize, that's another name I've been pronouncing wrong, has pitched seven innings of shutout ball, allowing just three hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. Nick Garcia had a similar stellar start, lasting six scoreless frames, allowing only three hits. Two walks while striking out five. <clears throat> then Bradenton played the Fort Myers Muscles. They won the first three games, and then the Martyrs managed to split the sixth game series. Uh, Campano and obviously Johnson led the offense, matching the 412 batting average and three extra base hits apiece. Junior Tiro pitched four point four and two-thirds scoreless innings of relief, allowing just one hit and two walks with one strikeout. Bradenton is now 35 and 25 in the second half standings and are only a game and a half back of Dundon for the division lead. So, Does uh, we... anybody stand out? Anybody's performance stand out from the down on the farm for you this week? I mean, I, I was very excited to see Sable go up to Indy. And, you know, as I said, only four games so far, two left field, one at catcher and one at DH. But he is hitting a 357 and certainly showing his versatility as a player. So it, it's good to see him, you know, continue to perform coming from the curve up to Indy. Yeah, it's definitely nice to see someone get called up and flourish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was anybody particular you were excited about this week. Uh, just there's a couple guys. You know, it's nice to see Gonzalez finally getting back on track. Mm-hmm. You know, he struggled quite a bit. Uh, so him having a strong week is nice. Andy's just continuing to be empty oh, at this point. Mashing it. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like he can do no wrong at this point. Oh, so, that's yeah, definitely a gonna, jinx. I wouldn't have said he, that. He, he's going to go over 28 now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> going to have three errors a game, and it's all your fault. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll wear that one on my sleeve. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> yeah, he's... He's definitely performing and playing with uh, a lot of energy, so uh, I think you're okay. Uh, and uh, yeah. other than that, I'd say, well, first of all, cool thing, uh, Campana and Johnson both having a four-one-two batting average. Mm-hmm. That's a great number. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to see Johnson just getting out to the – the start you expect. He's a very confident young man and uh, he earns that confidence. Yeah, maybe maybe that he's the boost that they need to uh, 
to take over the division lead down there. Yeah, I hope so. He's he's definitely got Bradenton's got a lot of skill on that team. Oh yeah, you're even you're just, starting to see a lot of young talent. Mm-hmm. And it's not just with the bat. Defensively speaking, uh, they're really skilled. I don't know if you've seen Brannigan playing over a third base. He has a cannon for an arm. He throws guys out like it's nothing. Um, well, yeah, I think we'll, he was we'll hitting like 98 or 99 off the map for his relief appearances. So, Definitely has the arm to stay in the hot corner to see yep. – See how it all plays out. Yeah, I think it's going to play out well. Uh, and I also wanted to mention Gorski has started his rehab. He is now down at Bradenton, so I'm sure that will help. They're already very good offense, seeing how he's doing coming back from injury. There, there is a quick update. Indy is currently leading 7-3, to three, and nice. Greensboro is leading 6 nothing. So... Well, that definitely bodes well for those guys. Yep, potential two more wins coming up there. Well, we will definitely keep the podcast updated as we go. Yep. Um, Do you want to uh, move into this week's special? Oh, yes. All right. I think with this special, I think we're going to agree on a lot of stuff and potentially disagree (laughs) on a lot of stuff. Uh, Special is... Who should be the Pirates' catcher of the future, Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez? Mm. So I don't know if you want to start with any specific stat or. Oh, man, I don't know. It, it's tough because of how well I think a lot of my stats for Rodriguez are going to be offensively minded. Because obviously he is just been crushing it so far Uh, and they they do line up pretty well defensively yeah uh, I know we discussed uh, prior to uh, starting to record that Davis actually has a better fielding percentage which threw me for a loop because I did not Mm -hmm. see that coming yeah well you got to uh, look back at the history. Davis has a lot more time playing catcher. Endy's been moved around in the outfield, a little bit more DH. Uh, I think he's played first base. Yes, he's played he, first base at certain times in the minors as well. Yeah, he's played first, second, uh, I think possibly left and right field. Yeah. So, yeah, like he you is, said, definitely moved around a lot, very versatile. Yeah, which is always a plus. Uh, but it takes away from the amount of time he gets to really focus on just being catcher. You know, catcher, the most important thing is really that relationship he's able to develop with the pitchers and how much they trust him. I kind of think of catchers as more of a, that's that QB role. You've really got to work with your pitchers as receivers to make sure you guys are always on the same page. And I think Davis having that, it's slightly more background playing catcher works in his favor. Now, if that were to change, maybe Davis becomes more of a 
first baseman DH and Andy gets that time at catcher and we see him really start to flourish. I think I would be on board with seeing him as the, the catcher of the future. Yeah, uh, I actually, I was reading an article the other day and Andy was doing an interview and he opted to do the interview in English, which is not his first language. Mm-hmm. And basically he said he wanted to uh, continue to do that to help strengthen his English so he can get a better bond and uh, have an easier time talking to his pitchers while they're out there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely committed. Yeah, good for him. That That is yeah. the, the right attitude. And I know that's I, – I shouldn't say I know. I don't know how catchers <laughs> work through that sometimes. Uh, we get a lot of international pitchers that may not always speak English perfectly. And that's it's definitely a hurdle that they have to overcome. So good on him taking the right approach. Uh, and that definitely bodes well for his future. Yeah, it just seems like he's all in at just, you know, getting better and doing whatever it takes to help the team win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if you go back and look at their stats, as far as uh, being in Altoona, they both played, I believe, the same amount of games. Yep. At-bats were only, you know, maybe two at-bats off. Andy is – look at this. Uh, not quite double the OPS. He has a 1.189 OPS to Davis's 678. Uh, slide over to average here. Andy's batting 342. Scroll. Davis, 195. Granted, coming off an injury, it's going to yeah. take him a little bit to get back into it. Uh, home runs, Andy is already up to, I believe, eight. He's <laughs> up to eight. Davis at two. Going over RBIs, Andy's 23. Davis 11. Runs, Andy's got 20. Davis 12. I mean, you can see where this trend is going. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. every offensive cap is going to, to Rodriguez. But at the same oh, yeah. time, you know, we're talking about, you know, the future catcher. So, I don't want to say the offensive yeah. caps don't mean anything, but. Yeah, catcher is, it can't be solely based on the offensive stats. I know what you're trying to say catching is is too important of a defensive position so it's got to be it'd be nice to have a very good hitting catcher but that's certainly not all that there is to it but even when you look at some of rodriguez's defensive stats let me see i had this pulled up before he's got eight caught ceiling so far this year at altoona 10 stolen bases on him. Versus Davis's. So he's at what, almost 50, just not, about 42%. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. I, he's definitely got the arm strength for it. Yeah. I mean, Davis has the stronger arm, but whether it be uh, time or 
is it just the pitches that these guys are attempting to steal on? Yeah. That's always a tough thing when you get limited. You know, Davis has only had 14 games as catcher with Altoona, and Rodriguez has had 15. Definitely want to see more, and I, I always want to see how pitchers talk about the catcher, who they're most comfortable with. So it's, a, it's an interesting discussion, and I think these two are going to continue to perform and continue to compete for that spot, and I think that's good. Honestly, the yeah, I think competition should stay there. Better. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to pull up some uh, fielding stats for Davis from his college days to see how his – Stolen bases. Yeah, he was drafted first, so I imagine he had some pretty good college stats. I do not have them in front of me either. Yeah, it's weird. It's 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 only showing. It's not showing his Louisville. His Louisville stats for uh, his defensive side. That's odd. Hmm. I don't know why it wouldn't. Yeah, I'm going to keep looking if uh, you want to talk about anything else here. Um, well, we keep taking a look. Uh, I think, you know, it's definitely a worthwhile conversation. Uh, I, I can move on to the Stargell Stars of the Week. And if you do have something else, you know, feel free to chime in, as always. Yep. So, let's see. Stargell Stars for the Week. Uh, the offensive player is O'Neal Cruz. Not only does he hit the ball hard, he hits the ball far. He had six hits, including a double, a triple, and two home runs, one of which almost terrified the uh, Toronto bullpen and caused them to flee for their lives. So I think we all enjoyed watching that for a while. He drove in seven runs, which is probably the most important stats, making sure he's getting the RBIs, despite being moved to uh, number one in the batting lineup. Uh, He is still striking out a lot, but when he makes contact, it is... A beautiful, beautiful thing. So in terms of... Oh, that's oh man. Man. I know. That's why it scared the bullpen. I don't know if you got to uh, watch today's game, because I know it was on Peacock Plus. Uh, but those guys, they ran for their lives. <laughs> As anyone that you know has a few brain cells. <laughs> you got a big... Uh, I don't know. There was uh, one woman in the outfield. She tried to sacrifice her body to catch a home run ball. I don't remember who was off. So I think that was an interesting juxtaposition of random fan diving to try to catch the ball versus uh, these guys in the bullpen just fleeing. <laughs> yeah, the guys in the bullpen who have gloves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but good things from Cruz. Like I said, I want to 
definitely hitting the ball hard. It'd be nice to get those strike numbers down. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this from Zawinski since he's come back up. He's actually taken the approach of choking up on the bat a little bit more when he gets to two strikes. I might recommend the same for Cruz. When you've, you've got the power to really smack the ball, you, you can sacrifice a little bit of it for control. So we'll oh, yeah. see if he can make those adjustments. The second Stargell Stars are a tie between Contreras and Keller. They both had excellent starts worthwhile of giving us a win and what probably should have been a win. Keller went six strong with just two runs on four hits, two walks, and 10 strikeouts, while Contreras, uh, he also went six with one run on four hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. Both of these guys looking very good and are hopefully a big part of the future of this team going forward. Yeah, I think both of them could potentially be key pieces of that rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolanzi for should sure. be the number one guy. Yeah. Uh, the... d- depending on who, who gets called up, whether it be uh, Priester's probably going to get a shot. Maybe he mm-hmm. might get a, one or two starts before the end of the season. He might jump over Keller as the number two guy. That's something we'll have to wait and see. Yep. But yeah, Priester, Burroughs, definitely exciting to see if those guys get starts. Uh, I don't know if that will happen or not, but I could certainly see them having more talent. And Keller just pitching well as a bonus. Yeah. Definitely not going to complain. Keller here. I mean, last year mm-hmm. was horrifying to watch. And, uh, you know, that it shows the kind of mentality he has because it really could have broke him. Yeah. But, oh, absolutely. You know, can you definitely see that with a lot of these. Yep. See a lot of that with these, these bounce back guys. It's a testament to their commitment to the game and what they're trying to give to the team day in and day out. And hopefully a good sign for the pitching staff, how they're able to get guys like Keller back on track. And hopefully they can do that with some of the other pitchers as they either yeah. try to improve or for the guys that are, you know, as you said, coming up from the minor leagues. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the one of the biggest things with Keller is starting to use that sinker more, and it's mm. been really effective for him. So, yeah, absolutely, gotta have confidence in those pitches. All right, and then the final Stargell star of the episode goes to Chase DeYoung uh, for the very third straight week. Young continues to run a scoreless streak. And now I feel like I just jinxed him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Over three games, four and a third inning, he allowed just three hits, three walks while striking out one. You you don't, he doesn't necessarily always need his best stuff. You just need to make it work. And DeYoung has definitely been making it work 
week in and week out. And uh, I think that's why Shelton has seemed to favor him recently and has just been really leading on him, especially with Underwood and Crow not performing as well as they have in previous relief appearances. Yeah, and I think, you know, with Underwood and Crow, that really goes to their usage. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just not being managed well. He said, no. having Underwood come in for a second day in a row after pitching, I believe, multiple innings the day before. Yeah, I think he won one and a third. The day before, then coming out for a second start. At... Shelton's just got to have more confidence in the rest of the guys. Crow certainly... He definitely got overused the first half of the season. I think he's just showing some wear. He's trying to, was I think Bob Walk remarked on it in today's game that early in the season, Crow was really trying to work fast and get up, get down, get the batters out, and that was working really well for him. But in recent weeks, he started to slow down. He's not pitching as well as he would like. So I Crow's got to, you know, uh, hopefully he doesn't need some rest and he can just make the adjustments as we're finishing out the year here. Yeah. He, he was I mean, definitely one overused. He might be feeling some pressure too, knowing that Bednar's not behind him. Yes. That so, is also true. You know, added pressure. It gets to you eventually. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully he can bounce back in these next couple games. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Losing Bednar and Yuri, who had a few saves on the year, it definitely adds the pressure to Crow to come out and perform, and a lot of times go more than one inning himself. Yeah. So that could be contributing, and you know. Hopefully we see Bednar back soon. I believe he was pitching bullpen uh, simulated games last week. So we'll see if he's able to make his comeback. Uh, I believe year is out for the rest of the season, so we're not going to see him again, unfortunately. Yep. But on that note, let us take a look ahead. Uh, starting tomorrow, we have a three-game series against the Mets. And then following that, we're going down to St. Louis for a three-game series against the Cardinals. We are facing some very stiff pitching. I see DeGrom on Tuesday going up against Bryce Wilson. And we face Quintana, uh, first game against him as a Cardinal next Sunday. So I'm going to let you take the first shot at how you feel uh, those series are going to go. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, man. The Metro. Oh, excuse me. These the, Both of these are in Pittsburgh. I think I said that. I was at St. Louis. Both are in Pittsburgh. My mistake. Uh, Sorry, continue. The Mets are a scary team all around. Yeah. You know, they've got a straight, a, a great starting rotation. Uh, honestly, even though it's Wilson going against Walker, I think that's probably the, our best shot at getting a win. 
Uh, Wilson's going against DeGrom. That is not going to go well. DeGrom's still got a, I think, under no, two I, I have, ERA. I'm going against Keller on my on my log here. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, mine's – I'm showing Walker and Wilson, DeGrom, Keller, and Bassett and Avito. Yeah. Well, I have that one. Oh, I'm not sure if ESPN is off. It's weird. Well, either way. Yep. Walker, I think. <laughs> Best shot. Taking a win there. Yep. Uh, I don't, don't want to see DeGrom. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call for a one for three against the Mets. What do you think? Uh, I'm alright taking that. the The nice thing is we're facing three righties. We have to deal with the onslaught of lefties we saw prior to last week. So I think that first game is a good chance to win. Degrom and Bassett. That's that's difficult. Now, I, I do think DeGrom has almost narrowed his pitches down to, I think, just fastball slider at this point. So. Really? Maybe. I mean, I, I think I think Pittsburgh has uh, done decent against the fastball. It's like, you know, off speed and stuff like that is what they really struggle with. Yep. They really struggle against the changeup this season, which has come up a few times. But you know, Degrom is Degrom. Whether he's you can, he can tell you what he's pitching. He's still probably going to beat you. Yeah. All right. So we'll go to the uh, the card series. Uh, we got Michaelis versus Contreras, Hudson and Brubaker, and Quintana and Keller. Yeah, that's I, what I have. Even though, you know, Quintana's a lefty and we don't do historically well against them, I, I don't I, I think Pittsburgh does do decent against former Pittsburgh pitchers. So... Oh. That's I think that's hit and miss. We did well against Cool. We did really poorly against Musgrove uh, earlier this year. Uh, we'll have to see. I think the Brubaker Flaherty that seems like it should be a winner winnable one. Oh, it's Brubaker and Flaherty. I think so. That's what ESPN has. Yeah, Flaherty's uh, just coming okay. off the injured list. Yeah, he, so. is this going to be his first start? Is he, is he coming off rehabbing now? Or is he had a couple uh, starts so far? I think this is going to be his first game off injury. Okay, so I'll... I kind of like those chances then. Yeah. 
certainly our best chance. You know, Brubaker wasn't looking super sharp, but there's confidence in him. And I, I believe uh, Michaelis – is it Michaelis, Michaelis? I think it's Michaelis. Okay, however you say his name. I think he's the one who almost no-hit us, and Cal Mitchell broke it up in, like, the ninth inning. So, mm. he that may have our number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember doing well against him. But, yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, Cardinals have a good lineup. Hopefully, Pujols does. No. If he does, I won't. I won't hate it because he does whatever. But uh, yeah, I'll be. I'll be optimistic and say we take. Okay, I, I'm gonna say one of three. I'm not gonna be quite that optimistic. I don't trust. <laughs> Pujols won't break the record against us. Exciting to see, anyway, and it's nice to know that there is. Almost no chance he'll be on the team next year to compete with. That's all that matters. Right. And hopefully Molina's not on the team and Wainwright's not on the team. And... Oh, man. Yeah. You know, that'll take away some pirate killers. That. Yeah, I think that's a – well, without Molina, that's a very different team. Like we said, catcher is super important. You get him out of the way, I think that the dynamic of that team changes a lot. So enjoy your retirement, Melina, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know he listens. Yeah, go 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 hang out and watch your basketball team play. Yeah. We would all like you much better. But all right. I think that right, so wraps calling, it up you're, here. You're you're calling what, two for six, and I'm calling a split. Three and three. Yes, I am definitely not calling first place. It is optimistic. <laughs> uh, I'll be happy with one game out of each series. But, all right, that wraps it up here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. I'm Stephen Castriano. I'm joined by Ed Wassel. As always, you can follow. Michael, once he recovers from illness, on Twitter at 412DoublePlay. Please continue listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And from all of us here, thank you for joining us. Let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks.